It's your regular edition of the Tuesday Daily Delivery Podcast. I am Michael Rand. Have to say regular because it is an unusual week, as you might have noticed. If you missed the Monday Twins Playoff Preview Special Edition Podcast, please go back and listen to that sometime before 3.38 p.m. today. Maybe even pause this one and go listen to that now because that one has a shorter shelf life. Not It doesn't become irrelevant once the games start, but... Uh, uh, had, definitely has more of a playoff preview feel to it. Good interview with Bobby Nightingale Jr. and plenty of other fun stuff, including an interview with Chris Hannell, who did that amazing documentary on the Twins' 18-game losing streak. There will be post-game podcasts with myself and Lavelle Enil III after each of these Twins games. Should be up pretty soon after each of those games end, so look for that today. Wednesday, Thursday, always at night. Um, you know, Thursday's game obviously to be uh to be uh announced if they need that one. Trying, of course, to break that 18 game losing streak and maybe more. This is a twins team that even despite their struggles early in the season, has started to play their best baseball. And if you look most places, you will see them A, slightly favored, and B, kind of getting some chatter as like a playoff dark horse uh, team to watch. And I know a lot of people think they can at least advance in this series. A lot of those people are not, however, the ones who have watched them lose 18 straight playoff games. So a lot of things in play here, a lot of dynamics in play here for the Twins as they get ready to start the postseason. Today's episode will be a little bit condensed. It'll still be a full-length episode, but I'm not going to do a whole lot in the intro here because we've got tons of Viking stuff, the regular film review with Andrew Kramer, Poetry in Motion with Keith Rashad, my good friend, some Vikings haikus to help break down the Carolina game. I think what we really want to get to the heart of today is I don't think the Vikings are good enough this season. I think we've seen enough to know that they're not good enough. Are they bad enough? That is the bigger question right now. Probably not internally to the Vikings, but that is the that is the question I have right now. Are they bad enough to affect meaningful change for next season, to chart a course, to get a high draft pick that they're probably going to need to redefine the quarterback position and go forward in 2024 and beyond? I don't think they're good enough. Are they bad enough? And those are some questions we'll start to get to as we unpack the defense and especially what happened against Carolina. Got Andrew Kramer here. Let's review the film from uh, from Sunday's Vikings win. First win of the year, Andrew. Although, I don't know. I don't know how they feel about themselves coming off of that one. I, they probably feel okay about how the defense performed, certainly. I don't think Kevin O'Connell can be terribly happy about how the offense looked, although they didn't run a ton of plays. The running game was better, I would say. Kirk Cousins, two interceptions one of them certainly his fault and we'll get to that in a bit but the defense was really the story of this game and kind of how they were able to you know blitz use different mechanisms that uh that, that brian flores wants to use and finally had marcus davenport and looked like he made a pretty big difference in this game yeah he really did and that was kind of what they've been waiting for they've been waiting for that guy that allowed them to trust their four-man rush and really just go out there and not have to throw five, six, seven defenders at once um, at a quarterback. And Bryce Young was the kind of guy that he didn't really have to do that. And when they did, it worked, but it really helped for them to have Davenport because you can just tell the talent level. He's six foot six, 265 pounds. That's his listed weight. I'm sure he's more than that. He's, he's built like you know, kind of a wider Daniil Hunter. Um, he's just kind of long in that way too. And 
and offenses have to account for him. And you could see it in the snap counts, the rotations. Um, Hunter played less than he did the week before. It was like from 90% down to 75%. Uh, and everybody just kind of had a load taken off of them. And I think everybody played better because of that. It helped that they were playing the Panthers offensive line. If they could do that every week, <laughs> it would be pretty great. Um, but in general, um, you you just saw the difference against the run, against the pass. Uh, Davenport made plays on, on both ends. So how much, I mean, so it's kind of hard, right? When you get a guy back, but it's probably against the the weakest offense you've faced so far, it's kind of hard to uh, figure out how much of it is cause, how much of it is effect. Like how much do you think he's that much of a disruptive force versus, hey, they were playing the Panthers, rookie quarterback who's, you know, very talented, might have a good future in this league, but isn't quite ready for prime time yet was, was, you know, shaking. We can talk about that more in a little bit with some of the blitzes that Harrison Smith was able to, to pull off. But like, how much of it do you think is sustainable versus a one-off of the matchup? Yeah, we got to go off of kind of what he looked like with New Orleans. And while the sack numbers were, were relatively low, um, he was one of their leading pressure guys. He was constantly putting pressure on the quarterback, just not finishing plays. Uh, in ways that he wants to, in the ways that the Vikings want him to. Um, and he said after the game in Charlotte, he said that I, you know, that I need to work on my conditioning and I'm still trying to finish some of these plays. I can think of a couple run stops where he was the first one in the backfield to kind of alter the running backs trajectory. Uh, but Patrick Jones or DJ Wanham or somebody else finished with the play. There was one sack that he should have had. Uh, he should have had two in that game, but one of them went to Wanham because uh, Bryce Young evaded and slipped out of his grasp. So there's still some of those elements that we saw where he's quite just not quite finishing those plays, but he is a disruptor. And I think he will be that kind of disruptor um, against other offensive lines because we've seen him do that in the past. This guy's only 27, 28 years old. He's a former first round pick for a reason. Um, and they just don't have that kind of talent on the line. Harrison Phillips, Dean Lowry. Um, DJ Wanham, like I mentioned, Patrick Jones, these guys are all mid-round picks and athletically that's kind of who they are as well. And so when they're at their best, they're they're more role players than guys that you need to be your stars. They lined a lot of those guys up sometimes, like all four of them on the field, sometimes in pass rushing situations. Um, how that look seemed like it, it was helping them in some some situations. Is that something we would expect to see more of, especially, you know, with with some of the success they had? Yeah, and Davenport allows them to do that. Um, Davenport can be an interior rusher, something he actually didn't do that much in New Orleans, but the Vikings saw that in him and have kind of moved him inside. So some of the pressures, and, and I think maybe the sack that he had came <clears throat> as an interior rusher where he would either loop around the end um, on some stunts that they would run or he would just kind of beat the guard one-on-one. -on -one. He had a pretty sweet spin move on, on uh, I think it was the Panthers' left guard in one of those plays. Um, so when he's in the game, it personnel-wise, it reads like this is three, four defensive ends, but the Vikings are kind of treating Davenport like an interior guy as much as they would a Dean Lowry um, at times because they do that even in the red zone where you're worried about teams running on you on the inside. So he, he brings that element of versatility too that you're not going to put Dean Lowry on the edge. You're not going to put one of these interior guys on the edge, but Wanham's that rare guy that you can really move him around and match him up anywhere. I think there was a third and 22 in that game where Wanham lined up over center, or excuse me, Davenport lined up over center. Um, and that's just not something you see guys outside of Zadarius Smith do in Minnesota before.
maybe based on his success rate on Sunday, Harrison Smith should be an edge rusher. Think about that. <laughs> he did pretty well. Huh? This was, I was surprised this was his first game with three sacks, not because, you know, he's always been racking that number up, but he's always been a pretty good blitzer and he was under Mike Zimmer um, and he was productive. He had plenty of games with one, one and a half sacks, but this was his first with two or more and he ends up with three and, and two of them coming on the last drive where Brian Flores really cranked it up. I think ESPN put the number out that the Vikings only blitz like 30% of the time in that game. It was a, a season low for them. Um, Davenport was part of it, but part of it was Bryce Young. They weren't too worried about Bryce Young beating them with his arm. Um, this is a guy that I talked to Daniel Hunter before the game, and he said he's really young. He's still learning how to read coverages and really process things. And he's going to have to trust his arm, especially if his ankle is still injured. And he was coming off that ankle injury and you could tell he wasn't as mobile as he was in previous games. He did pick up one first down with his legs on that last drive. Um, But after that is when Brian Flores just kind of turned the heat up and said, we're not even going to give you room to run. Um, And Harrison Smith, I believe the first of those two sacks, he wasn't even touched. So they dupe, they dupe the protection and he was allowed to kind of, you know, go up at the line and toy with them and drop back or rush forward um, yeah, he had a great game. He did. And obviously the, the first of those sacks, I believe was the, the sack where he jarred the ball loose, won him scoops and scores. And that completely changes the game. Cause it's 13, seven Panthers at that point, And they're in Vikings territory, maybe looking to go up two scores. And so that obviously changed the trajectory of that game. Um, to that point though, I mean, I think Patrick Mahomes might be in a better position to handle those things better than, Bryce Young. So is this is this kind of mix and match? Is this Harrison Harrison Smith? Is this sustainable? Or how do how do they kind of find the right elements of this when they do face better competition and more seasoned competition? Yeah, they can't waste opportunities. Like uh, we forget, the Vikings probably should have had two defensive touchdowns because DJ Wanham dropped an interception that Bryce Young just gifted him um, on a screen pass there in the red zone, and the and the Panthers got three points off that drive. You can't waste opportunities against a team like the Chiefs. And I know the Chiefs aren't playing like world beaters right now. Um, They just eked out a win against the Jets. They obviously lost against the Lions when they didn't have Kelsey or Chris Jones. But this Vikings team is not playing well enough. um, And frankly, probably isn't talented enough, especially on defense, to contend with a team like Kansas City. Just go through the list of things that they did, um, the Vikings did, against the Panthers that gets you beat most times. The two interceptions, uh, the dropped interception by Wanham that I mentioned, um, the botched snap at the goal line by Kirk, the Josh Oliver flag that negates the initial touchdown before yeah. the pick six right. um, to, to, that was aimed at KJ. Um, and then obviously Cousins not playing well, multiple misfires in that decision on that first interception. Um I, I really think that this team is was sloppy on Sunday and they just escaped with a close win because the Panthers are a lot worse. Um, so to answer your question, no, I don't think it's going to be too sustainable against Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert, like we saw, um, or against a pick your poison offense in Philadelphia, where the Vikings sold out to stop Jalen hurts and really let Deandre Swift run wild. Um, it's going to be tough sledding all year for the Vikings, even with Davenport, because Two difference makers like we saw last year with Zadarius and Daniil sometimes is not enough. I want to get to that Kirk pick six before we go, but I also I just want to pick your brain on 
I was surprised. I'm sure you were too. It was the same starting five on the offensive line, and they did okay. I thought, obviously, uh, Ingram took what was it blame for that second interception where they go where Kirk's arm gets hit and they they lose a chance to score there. But they ran the ball reasonably well. I thought Kirk had a, a pretty clean pocket most of the day. But um, I was surprised that they didn't get Reisner in or whether there, there weren't any other moves in this game. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. And I, and I do wonder if, I don't think Kevin O'Connell was asked about it after the game. I wasn't at the press conference. But I do wonder if they were going off of kind of a hot hand approach. Like we're just going to go in and see how um, Ed Ingram plays and if he's worth pulling at some point, we'll do that. Um, obviously, in the second quarter, they decided not to do that when he gets beat on that big play um, that leads to the pop fly interception yes. from Kirk uh, in the second quarter. I thought there were multiple moments where they could have made that decision, though, including then in the second quarter, there was a run. I mean, Cam Akers came into the game uh, top of the second quarter, and one of his first runs was a six-yarder, and Ed Ingram just whiffs on his block and um, acres has to pick up half of those six yards after contact. It's stuff like that, that you just see kind of way too much. Um, and maybe they just, for whatever reason, they just didn't want to pull that trigger with Reisner and Hey, we don't, we can't see practices. The, um, the Vikings do not, nor do any NFL team open regular season practices. So maybe Reisner's not what they expected. I, I don't know. We, we need to see him in a game. Uh, the public does before we can really know, uh, what we're judging here in terms of their decision and they need to speak on it because yeah, it's not like Ed Ingram did a whole lot to really hold on to that job on Sunday. Well, and all the PFF numbers before, I mean, Reisner's a better pass blocker generally than a run blocker. So there, there could be something to that as well. Um, on the, the pick six, Kirk did feel some pressure. I think at some point, I think it was like maybe a corner blitz, but let me, I want to play his explanation right now. Cause I'm, I'm still trying to sort through it in my head. I think it's a touchdown to KJ if I'm faster. I think it's a touchdown to TJ if I let the, the you know, safety jump the flat. I saw the safety put hands on TJ, so I'm thinking, all right, I get to the flat. Well, I'm late to the flat now, so the safety can cover both. If I just let him make his decision, work off them, I think we have a touchdown to one of those two. I just got to be quicker to the flat or wait a tick for TJ. Okay, Andrew, to me, it just sounds like he made a bad throw, but now he's trying to like parse what he should have done, and he's, he's kind of got this... He's got to kind of get this film review in his head already where he's replaying it. And I get it. That's how that's kind of how he processes it. But that's just not a throw you can make. No, it's really not. And it's such a late decision, too. It's it's one that you saw Bryce Young make in terms of just throughout his uh, young career, three starts so far. You see younger quarterbacks, yes. more inexperienced guys make that kind of mistake. And I, I just thought in general, Kirk looked a little off uh, on the day. There were some throws to Justin Jefferson that were too high. Uh, there were some other decisions that seemed late. One pass to Jordan Addison, I can think of, that arrived late and got deflected. And I just thought in general, he didn't look comfortable, even though he only took four hits. The pressure didn't seem overwhelming for the most part. And it was such a small sample size. He only attempted 19 passes. They only had 44 plays. Um, the offense went three and out twice. They had two turnovers. So their time of possession wasn't going to be great. And then a defensive score obviously keeps the other team on the field. Um, but Kirk's got to be better and then they've got weapons for him to be better. And there were times where he had open guys as well. And you're questioning what he's doing in there. And so I, I just think in general, that decision on the pick six, it's such a brutal spot. And frankly, if you look at all three of their red zone turnovers, um, 
Uh, including that one. It's only three, right? It's not four. I'm not missing one. Yes, but it's three interceptions, at least. I can't remember if one of the fumbles was down there, but it's basically like all three interceptions have been like the defensive player caught the ball at like the one yard line. And one was, yeah, one was KJ kind of getting the ball ripped out of his hands. The other was TJ straight up bobbling it into the interception. So this was the one that you you could totally blame on Kirk and look at him and say, hey, you can't make that decision as the veteran and, and leader of this team. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And it's surprising that... They won. Uh, it was like it wasn't the worst he's ever played because he still had two touchdown passes the, and and made some plays, enough plays for them to win. But they don't usually win the the bad or mediocre Kirk games. No, they don't. It, it took a defensive touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> it really did. You're in, like I said, they should have had two if Wanham would have held on to that one interception with nobody around him on like 80 yards to go. Maybe he would have outran everybody. Um, uh, you, you usually don't escape with that kind of a win, but it takes a Carolina Panthers team. It takes a team that does not have a Justin Herbert on the other side because there are plenty of talented but flawed teams in the NFL. Right now, the Panthers are neither. Right now, yeah. the Panthers are they're, they're both flawed and untalented. Yeah. So yes. I think that's why they were able to escape with that win. The Panthers scored what? How many points on offense? Six. six? Yeah, six. Yeah. So you outscore them 20, you know, 14 to six or whatever on, on between offense. the offenses. Yeah. Um, and that was on a day where the offense for the Vikings was, was not very great. Didn't feel like there was a ton to build on necessarily. I think they can say they did good things, especially on defense in this game, but it wasn't like one of those games where you're like, okay, not only did they win, but now we see the formula or the path forward. It just felt like they got one. Can they get more? I don't know. Well, we know this passing game can be prolific. So yes. looking for looking forward, um, I liked what I saw from Cam Akers. It was only 14 snaps. It was seven touches for 51 yards. They didn't do a whole lot of wild stuff with him. He was in the backfield most of the time. Um, but what he did was he was quick, decisive. He looked like he was comfortable with what he was asked to do. Um, and he fought through contact and picked up yards. And he's quicker than Alexander Madison. And I think you need that right now behind an interior line that's not setting up these wide kind of um, runways for you to get your speed going. Uh, he's got more of that acceleration. He's getting to the line of scrimmage quicker than Madison is on some of his handoffs. And I think that might be the thing you can build upon is that if you, if you can find some confidence and some run calls that work, if you're Kevin O'Connell, you might have some balance for yourself to get Kirk comfortable in some of these games and not say, all right, Kirk, our first 15 scripted plays are all going to be you. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Well, we'll see how it works for them against the Chiefs on Sunday. We'll see if Taylor Swift decides to show up. A lot of <laughs> lot of a lot of questions, what have you for next week. Andrew, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Like Andrew and I talked about, I don't think you can have a more dramatic kind of dichotomy between quarterbacks when you go from a rookie like Bryce Young to a um, you know MVP Super Bowl winning veteran like Patrick Mahomes so I you know can the Vikings defense that looked much better against Carolina can they continue to bring the heat to kind of mix and match get pressure I know Marcus Davenport did help against Carolina can he be a difference maker that's what we're watching for on Sunday otherwise the Vikings are going to be one and four and a lot of the same questions we had when they were 0-3 will be resurfacing at that moment. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. 
Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. It's poetry time on Daily Delivery with my very good friend, Keith Rashad. Whether that Vikings game deserves it or not, Keith, you have chosen to express yourself in poetic fashion once again, haven't you? It's the only way to talk about football. It's the best way to talk about football. I think all football commercials, no, in fact, no, 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 be... no, 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 no. I said it is the only oh, way my, to talk about my, football. My fault. Not not best. Only best and only best and only. Um, sir, would you like to give you give your first vaiku, please? I like my new way of watching NFL games. What a worthless slog. So you got to watch this one. You're in North Carolina. We've talked about that a lot. In fact, we probably talked about it more um, a couple of weeks ago when I was there for the Gopher game and we watched um, a lot of football. Not the Vikings that week because they played on Thursday night that week. But uh, you, so you were able to watch this one because this was the this was your this was your home market, I suppose, when they played in Carolina. It was a fast game. It was like two and a half hours. I don't know what you want, but you like your forty five minute games. It was terrible. Right, it wasn't the home market, so I I got to sit and watch this thing. And of course, as we've talked about before, I'm a single dad. I got a seven year old son, right? So, so my son, of course, is still at an age where not enthusiastic about sitting down for three hours to watch oh, a football game. No, um, no, he he loves sports. You know, we go to sports all the time, right? But he's seven. He just doesn't have the. So, you know, he's like, hey, dad, uh, can we go outside? Hey, dad, can we do this? And I'm like, son, no, uh, I have to sit here for three hours and watch this team that I hate um, make me feel bad about myself. You don't understand, son. I cannot spend quality time with you because I have to sit here until my butt turns numb watching one of the least inspiring games I've seen in quite some time for the full span of three or so hours. And I didn't, you know, I don't want to spoil future Vikus, but that was not a great game to have to wait. Like, like say, like it was last year's Buffalo Bills game or something, and it was like all this drama in it. Then maybe you would want to devote that time to it. But this was not a particularly good game between two zero and three teams. There was nothing fun about this game whatsoever. Especially it was because- just. Especially because you wanted them to lose, which I imagine is probably the subject of a future Vaiku. So anyway, Vaiku 2, please. Mediocrity is within the Vikings' reach with this victory. So you're worried now that now that they got a win and you look at their future schedule and you're like, oh man, they got to play the they get to play the Bears twice. They've got a bunch of other kind of crummy teams on their schedule. I think they have Denver at some point, maybe they get to play, you know, some not so great teams your worry now is that they're that they're not going to be like historically bad they're going to be like seven and ten bad is that right look man you're the one who said it you're the one who said it last week you said it before He's like all we want is clarity we i agree oh, just all we I want agree. is clarity but you you're you're all in on the tank you're all in on the tank though well i'm all in for one season of everything going wrong in a year where where that would be the best thing to happen to this team. Okay. Uh, but with the way that it's going, it's going to be another six to six to nine wins, maybe. 
<laughs> and we'd be doing this the same thing over and over again. And it and and the other part about it, it that just drives me insane, right? Is you think about what next year could look like, and it is really, really hard. I would say even impossible to imagine that the team gets any better, right? Yes. Because th- this has to be the last year of Kirk Cousin. Yes. Everything, er- everything suggests that this is the last year he'll be playing for this team. And he's, he's got his flaws, and we'll maybe get into that in just a little bit here, but he's still a very good quarterback, and you're not going to have that same level of play unless you get one of these potentially generational talents. And they're not going to do it because they're not as bad as the Panthers, even though they tried their best to lose this game. Yeah, and they're definitely not as bad as the Bears, or at least I don't think they are. And I don't think they're as bad as the Broncos. Like, they, I think, like, you're right. The, the best the best case scenario, even if they're bad this year, is probably that they're, like, picking ninth or 10th, not first or second. And, again, if I had a choice between 7 and 10 and 2 and 15, I would take 2 and 15. Most years, I don't think I would because I'd say, you know what? Then you're bottoming out and you don't know when you're going to get even back up to seven and 10 at that point. But this is, this is a year where, yes, you do want clarity. And I feel like we have clarity on how good they are, which is not that good, but I don't think we have clarity yet. Uh, we, I'm, I'm worried like you are that the, the record will become muddled because there's enough winnable games on this schedule uh, to, to not do that. Okay. Faiku three, please. Losing is better in this very unique year. Thanks for trying, Kirk. <laughs> yeah, you on the text chain on Sunday, you did give Kirk kudos for that pick six. That pick six was a real good try. A real good try. If he's trying to if he's trying to hasten the tank, if he's trying to hasten his ticket out of Minnesota, which I don't think he is, uh, but if he's trying if he's trying or not, that was the kind of 14 point swing because they had a touchdown two plays earlier or something, but they got called back for the, for, by the, by the penalty. And then you're thinking, okay, they're still going to score. And then it goes the other way. That's the kind of game changing play that can lose you a game, even against a bad team playing a not ready for primetime rookie quarterback, but yet they still couldn't get it done. No, they, they couldn't. They, <laughs> Kirk, it, you know, we've seen it. What is this? His fifth year, sixth year, sixth year here. It's his sixth year. So we've seen, a half a decade worth of what happens every single time that he is a very good quarterback and there's no denying that, but he's going to give you a handful of stinkers every year. Yes. And this was, this was the one, right? This is the one where he gave you the stinker where you really needed it to bottom out the stupid season and the team managed to, to not uh, follow through on the promise that Kirk Cousins gave them with the stinker that that he gives you a handful of times each season. It's so I'm frustrated, right? I'm well, frustrated yeah. Yeah. that this team couldn't do what is in the best interests of this team because they were playing a team that was somehow even worse than what, what they are right now. And they are not a good football team right now. No, and usually they lose, to your point, they usually lose the bad Kirk games because they don't, their defense, I can't remember the last time their defense won them a game, which it did in this case, instead of merely keeping them from totally collapsing. You know, the defense has had its moments over the years, like even the last three or four years where they've been bad, but I can't remember the last time that the defense 
outright won them a game before Sunday. So sorry. But did, um, did, did, did the defense win them that game or did a I overmatch? Mean, did the quarterback? Yes, I mean, it was the quarterback, but I mean, they don't, the, the defense only gave up six points because in large part, because the quarterback was overmatched, but like for them to be, to, for them to be overcome a bad Kirk game requires some special ingredients. And in this case, it was, uh, it was all those uh, external factors of, their quarterback, their bad offense, and their defense, you know, making the plays it had to. Okay, Vaiku 4, please, sir. All it takes to win is an overmatched QB. Next week should be fine. <laughs> yeah. You don't think that the blitzes that Brian Flores dialed up against Bryce Young will have the same net effect against Patrick Mahomes? Is that I what you're think, saying? I think it's possible that Patrick Mahomes might be able to handle the situation a little bit better than Bryce Young. Yes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's perhaps, perhaps we could get Taylor Swift quarterback since that's <laughs> the only thing we can talk about in, right. in sports nowadays, right? Maybe she's maybe gonna maybe she's she'll, behind center. Maybe she'll be here next weekend. I don't know, but Oh, Bryce, I am giddy with anticipation. I just can't wait to find out. That is definitely the thing I want to hear about on ESPN as much as possible. That is really the subject of my concern. Seems like maybe you're not a Swifty. Well, you know, um, yeah, not really, I guess. Not really a Swifty. I think her music is, is I like some of her songs. I'll say that. But this- Well, I'm not going to, look, look, nothing about her or her music or anything like that, right? And I get it. She's, she's probably the most famous person in the world right now. Um, but I kind of sort of watch sports so they don't have to pay attention to any of the yes. rest of that. Right. And it's just sort of frustrating. It's like, I don't care. I just don't care who's going to this game. Yeah. As long but as anyway, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, he'll probably be okay against that defense because Baker Mayfield did okay against it. Uh, Jalen hurts did okay against it. Justin Herbert did quite well against it. There are better quarterbacks on the uh, the future schedule than the one they played on uh, on Sunday. But, you know, that is also, though, if we may finish here, like that is a bit of a, I don't know, cautionary tale is right. But to your point earlier about the quarterbacking is not going to be better next year immediately. Like this is the reality, even if you have the number one overall pick, like it takes a long time, usually even the best of the best, even Peyton Manning wasn't very good as a rookie before he became great. Like it takes a while, even if you have this like franchise quarterback for him to play at that level now. So even if they did get this, like the quarterbacking next year, I don't think it can be, I'd be hard pressed to imagine it being better. So you're right. Imagine this team with a worse quarterback. 2024 doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. Maybe 20, maybe 2025 is the, is the, is the vision we have to have. Would you rather be stuck where they are right now no no i'm i i wouldn't i'm just saying like if you're in it which i am if you're in it you got to recognize that it's going to be a process that next year's not going to be much fun well you know at least we'll always have poetry listen i'm not all in on tank mode i don't like the idea of tanking losing on purpose i will say this though like we've talked about like we just brought up with keith I do want to see some clarity from this season. I don't want them to be stuck in mediocrity, the Vikings this year. That's all I want from a lot of the teams in this market, some clarity. What are you? What is the plan going forward? And it's harder to discern your plan 
when you are right around 500, not bad enough to be truly bad, not good enough to be truly good. I feel like it's a lot. That's where a lot of the teams in our market right now reside. And I don't want that for the Vikings. Let us finish with the cooler on a more personal note. Excellent column today by Chip Scoggins from the Star Tribune on our former colleague, Chris Snow, passed away recently at the age of 42 complications from ALS. I got to know Chris when he was brand new at the Star Tribune. Chip does a great job kind of outlining just what a what a special talent he is. He came in in 2003, just 22 years old, and really took the wild beat by storm. I had actually applied for that beat when Chris got it. I was not ready at that point, even though I was probably four years older than Chris. He got that job kind of charted kind of put me on a different path in my career that I couldn't be happier that I got and he was a, you know a tremendous success right off the bat I've thought about him numerous times since learning of his diagnosis 4 years ago what a fight he put up what a life he lived what a special person he was so please go read that column from Chip Scoggins Star Tribune startribune.com and remember to cherish every minute you have in this life that will do it for today. Like I said, lots of twin stuff coming up here the rest of the week, plus our usual content. There'll be two shows a day here for at least a few days. If the twins advance in the playoffs, which, like I said, a lot of people expect them to do, we'll do this in the division round as well and as long as we need to go. Until then, until tonight, I'm Michael Rand, back at it again later on. <laughs>